the FOMC has provided monetary policy stimulus through large-scale purchases of longer-term Treasury debt, federal agency debt, and agency mortgage-backed securities, or MBS. A range of evidence suggests that these purchases help to improve conditions in mortgage markets and other private credit markets and put downward pressure on longer-term private borrowing rates and spreads. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Waltz. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Today is Tuesday, August 31st. That was Ben Bernanke, Chairman of the Federal Reserve. And you may not know this about him. He is also the country's biggest landlord. (laughs) Sort of. So the show today is the dramatic story of how our central bank ended up buying home mortgage bonds. And David, last week you and I went to a place that no reporters have been before. It's a special room inside the New York Federal Reserve Bank, and we will take you there today on the podcast, right after we do our indicator, brought to us by Jacob Julius Goldstein. Uh, you dropped the middle name bomb on me, Hannah, and it kind of gave me <laughs> pause. Uh, but it's true. You can call me J. Julius Goldstein. Um, today's Planet Money indicator is 4.4%. That's how much home prices rose in the second quarter of this year, according to the latest Case-Shiller numbers. Uh, The numbers, which came out this morning, also showed that home prices rose between May and June in most parts of the country. Rose. You said rose, right? Went up. Okay. Home prices rising in June, right? But then... I remember from our podcast last week, the number really stuck in my head, uh, we have all these unsold houses on the market, right? Like something like a year's worth of unsold housing stock. And normally you have like six months or something, right? So let's make sense of those two numbers. Right. So so first of all, that unsold houses figure, it doesn't speak directly to prices, right? It tells us that there are lots of people who have their homes on the market, Uh, and that there aren't that many people buying houses. But, you know, homeowners uh, often can afford to be stubborn, right? They can say, you know what? I know what my house would have been worth in 2006. My neighbor sold his house in 2006, and I'm going to wait until somebody will give me that much money. So that explains how you can have a lot of houses on the market not being sold, and yet the prices aren't dropping right now because those people are just holding out. So it's it's really this very basic supply-demand issue. There's a lot of houses, and there aren't that many people buying them. So, so this can essentially resolve itself in, in one of two ways. One, lots of buyers could suddenly decide they're willing to pay what all those homeowners are asking. The other option, and the option, frankly, that seems more likely, unless the economy has some kind of miraculous recovery, is that sellers could finally say, probably not going to get what I could have got for my house in 2006. And sellers could go ahead and lower their prices so we could see home prices start to fall. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks, guys. So on to today's show. If you have a home mortgage, there are decent odds right now that your monthly checks are going to the Federal Reserve. And if that seems strange, it, it is strange. That is something that has never happened before in history. And the dramatic story of how that happened is our show today. So our drama begins, like all good dramas, with a meeting. The Federal Open... You know, it does Come not on. sound... It sounds so The boring. Federal Open Markets Committee meeting. The Federal Open Markets Committee meeting. It's the committee that decides monetary policy for the Federal Reserve Bank. Well, you have to understand that the eight times a year FOMC meetings are, are really times of excitement for me. I, I live that kind of <laughs> life. Uh, 
This is Vincent Reinhardt. He used to work at the Fed. Now he's at the American Enterprise Institute. The FOMC meetings are in private, so now he sits anxiously in his office watching the Fed's website for the statement to be posted about what they decided. And actually, on this day, a lot of people were watching because the day our story begins is in the fall of 2008, the height of the financial crisis. Lehman has collapsed. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have been bailed out. So as AIG, the Federal Reserve has lowered a main interest rate as low as it can go. And housing prices are still tanking. So the FOMC is having a meeting. I was sitting at home with my laptop open and an FOMC meeting usually ends around lunchtime. But they've trained markets to put out a press release at 2.15 or thereabouts. And so the financial market gets silent uh, at 2.14, waiting for the, the word on the, the statement. Did you, were you clicking refresh, refresh? And- yeah, exactly. That's what you do. Click refresh and read the statement and say they really did do it. Uh, they are buying stuff. Not just any stuff and not just a little. The Fed was saying it was going to spend $500 billion on something it had never touched before. Houses. The Fed had announced this plan to do this just a few weeks earlier, and now the FOMC was making it official. So to understand why this was a big deal, let's just review what the Federal Reserve bought before this moment. Here, let me take a look at its balance sheet. Uh, Treasuries, 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 treasuries. Yep, that's it. One thing U.S. government bonds. So this was a total departure, although you would not know it from reading the Fed's statement. I can read you the line here. It says, purchase... I mean, it, it, first of all, they bury the lead. Sure. It takes to the second graph. Right. They say, purchases of up to $500 billion in MBS will be conducted by asset managers selected via a competitive process with a goal of beginning these purchases before year end. What... In, in just like... It really the, sings. So the Federal Reserve uh, has a really, really plain balance sheet for most of its history. So let's just stop here for a minute to just talk about the Fed. What is the Fed? So it's helpful... I think it's helpful to think about the Federal Reserve as a bank. It's the most boring bank in the world because traditionally they buy only that one thing you were talking about, David, one of the safest investments in the world, U.S. Treasury bonds. Safe, safe, safe. Because when the U.S. government needs to borrow money, it issues Treasury bonds, and everyone knows the U.S. government is good for it. So the Federal Reserve is an independent entity, a bank, but unlike other banks, the Fed is not trying to make profit. Its job is to try to influence interest rates. So how do they do this? Well, they do it by buying those boring treasury bonds. Why does that work? All right, let's think about it. Suppose I'm the Fed. Hannah, you're a bank. Um, I uh, buy a treasury bond from you. Give me the bond. All right. Here's some cash. I'm paying you in cash. Money? Okay, so now I have the money. So how does that drive down interest rates? So the idea is now I have this extra cash sitting around, and it's not earning me any money. And that's not good for me. I'm a bank. So... I really want to lend that money out, and I'm going to lend it out at a lower interest rate than I would have otherwise. Because before you had my money, you had a smaller pile of money to work with, right? So you were lending that out at one interest rate. But now you have a lot of extra cash, right? So in order to entice other people to borrow all that extra money you have, you're going to have to offer borrowers lower interest rates. So you can borrow the money at a lower interest rate. Right. And that is how the Fed drives down interest rates, by buying treasuries. The problem was, back in the fall of 2008, this trick was not enough. The Fed had already driven down the key interest rate close to zero. Housing prices were still tanking. So the Fed thought, let's try to drive down a different interest rate, the interest rate for home mortgages. 
first time that the Fed ever ever bought mortgage-backed securities. They they were working in the dark. It's not economic theory doesn't tell you how many securities you have to buy to have a predictable effect on interest rates or activity. So they went. They picked a round number, a big round number. Do you imagine them actually sitting around saying, "I don't know, a hundred billion, two hundred, a trillion, seven hundred? <laughs> sure. How about five? <laughs> I, I can imagine them sitting around in that big room, around a big table, uh, arguing um, in terms of round, in, in probably quarters of trillions. How about two hundred and fifty? No. How about five hundred? Seven hundred fifty would probably scare people. That that it's the decisions made at that level. So it's not like they even have a chart and someone's there with a ruler or something or some formula and they're like, oh, it comes out evenly to $500 billion. If it's unprecedented, you don't have a historical experience to guide you. There aren't really many rooms where you can decide to spend $500 billion and then it just happens. That's the magic of central banking, right? You can decide uh, amongst yourself in a closed room uh, and not have to, you know, you could do it in a day. They did it in, in, an, in a morning. The decision was made in a morning. Then someone had to actually go do that, had to go spend billions of dollars on bonds filled with mortgages. I was actually at my desk uh, at my job, and my cell phone rang. So I took the call in the conference room. One of those people was Julie Ramache. She's got long red hair. She moves her hands a lot when she talks. And back when this program was starting, she had left the Fed to work in the private sector. But now they needed her back. Did you recognize the Fed extension? I did. <laughs> I did know it was somebody calling from the Fed. <laughs> did you wonder, maybe? I, I, I was imagining what it would be like to be back, you know, even before I got that call. So for somebody who had spent so much time here to, you know, when I got that call, I, how could I say no? The guy on the other end of the phone was Richard Zena, senior vice president at the Fed. And the offer he described was basically this. You'll be part of a small elite team, and your job, should you choose to accept it, is to spend hundreds of billions of dollars. We had to, you know, come up with a plan of attack within a six-month, within a six-week window. You wish it was six months. Oh, we wish it was six months, <laughs> but it was, it was actually just six weeks. The Federal Reserve had never actually purchased home mortgages before, ever. No, no. Actually, the program got bigger. It was eventually expanded to... One and a quarter trillion dollars. So this is the mortgage-backed security uh, purchase program team room. It's a smallish room. There's only uh, it's not as big as you might think when you consider the size of the overall purchase program. This is the room where the spending happens. That's Julie's colleague Nathan Werfel walking us around. And it, it felt exciting to be sort of led back to this room. Apparently, we're the first reporters to have been let in here. And, Hannah, from the outside, you know, the Fed is this imposing fort of a building. You walk in and there's marble and fancy ironwork. It says, I am a part of the U.S. Central Bank. People wear a coat and tie in the dining room. But this room, the floor is not marble. There are no oak tables. No, it, it did, nor does it look space-aged or super high-tech. It looks like four small cubicles with a Nerf basketball net, and there was a table tennis trophy there. Somebody sits on a yoga ball. Uh, right, yeah, occasionally. David, I would say this room looks exactly like our public radio cubicles, maybe even a little bit messier and, and smaller, like a, a tenth of the size of our offices. What are you guys actually doing? Like, what should I picture? Are you picking up the phone and calling someone and saying, I need to spend $50 billion today, I'm calling from the New York Federal Reserve? 
So it's it's done over a trading platform. So there's a actually an electronic screen where you go on, and then you'll get bids back from uh, the the firms. I'm with I'm the Federal Reserve Bank here. Federal Reserve Bank number 11 at AOL.com or something. Right. Well, it actually says, uh, what is this one? Nate turns to the computer to show us how it's done. It turns out the way you buy a mortgage bond is sort of like posting to the wanted section on Craigslist. You say, I want to buy a bond, and here's the kind of bond, and people bid to sell it to you. I'll sell it to you for this price. I'll sell it to you for this much. Nate's colleague pulls up a bond on the screen. Current price is 102 so you'd select the different counterparties from whom you want to receive bids or offers, depending on what kind of operation you're doing. So J.P. Morgan, Deutsche Bank, right? Suisse, Jeffries, Nomura. And then you would actually receive uh, quotes back in a very short time frame, less than a minute. Um, and when they hit the level that you're looking for, your reservation price, then you'd actually conduct the transaction. The process is so simple. You, you have to remind yourself how much is at stake with each computer click? It definitely takes some adjusting and getting used to, I think. when I, So I made my first purchase, I think it was uh, $500 million or something like that. And by then, $1.25 trillion was sort of the, the mark. So $500 million didn't seem like a lot. We should point out that the Fed was not buying toxic assets like our little toxi. These were not subprime mortgages in these bonds. These were high-quality mortgage loans. In fact, they were backed by the government through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginnie Mae. And let's explain just a bit of why they were doing this. It's going to take a minute, but, but I think it's, it's worth spelling out. So the Fed is trying to lower interest rates for mortgages. And the idea is that buying all these mortgage bonds will do that, will lower interest rates, make it easier for people to borrow money for houses. So how is that supposed to work? Well, the Fed is buying mortgage bonds, right? So let's think about this. When someone, the Fed, anyone buys, imagine buying a new mortgage bond, a new mortgage bond that's just been created. When someone buys that bond, they are basically lending money to the homeowners whose mortgages are in that bond. That's how those people get the money to buy their house. So when the Fed comes forward with one and a quarter trillion dollars here, you can think of that as one and a quarter trillion dollars more money that's available for mortgage loans. More money available means lower interest rates for people who want to borrow that money. To make it cheaper to buy homes. And the idea, again, was to keep the mortgage market moving, to keep housing prices from falling too quickly. But the thing is, to do that and to be successful, you have to buy a lot this, this program was big. It represents, you know, 20% of the outstanding agency mortgage-backed securities in the market. So, so it's big. You bought a fifth of what was out there. That's right. That's right. Did you guys ever think when you were buying about the houses that were in the stuff that you were buying? I don't think I've ever thought about the specific houses. Um, no. It's possible you were buying your mom's house, the mortgage on your mom's house or something. possible I was buying the mortgage on my own house. So, yeah, I mean, it's very possible. <laughs> so remember, the Fed, the world's most boring bank, just to put this program in context, before it started, the Fed owned $800 billion of stuff, mostly treasury bonds. This program more than doubled its balance sheet by buying one and a quarter trillion dollars of mortgage bonds. So we uh, we purchased one point two five trillion. Exactly. Uh, I think we fell short by like uh, sixty one cents short. Yeah. Something. Pennies. Sixty one cents. What? Seriously. No way. 
1.25 trillion you got within how much? We got very, very close uh, to the actual 1.25 trillion. I, I do think we were within pennies of the final uh, charge. What happened to the extra change? Uh, we uh, had a big party. <laughs> how did it happen to work out so close? Is it just an accident? Most trades are done in, in block sizes, so you buy 100 million or 500 million, but the very last trade was, was done in slightly different size so that it got very, very close. We didn't want to go over $1.25 because $1.25 trillion uh, was our mandate. We don't want to ever go beyond our, our mandate. Yeah, you wouldn't uh, want to spend more than, more than $1.25 trillion. trillion. So if we aired, we wanted to air on the shy side. So, Hannah, I guess we have to make a correction. The Fed spent not one and a quarter trillion dollars, but one trillion two hundred and forty nine billion nine hundred ninety nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and thirty nine cents. <laughs> so this gets us to what I feel like is the strangest part of this whole program. If you stop to think about it, that one and a quarter trillion dollars before this program began, it did not exist. Can I ask a kind of weird question, but I know it's one everyone's going to ask. Where does the money come from? It's created, right? It's, so that's the nature of central banking, right? So central banks, when we actually purchase a security, we pay, pay for it with cash that is basically created by the central bank. That's the nature of central banking around the world. That is the weird superpower of a central bank. Richard Zina, the vice president at the Fed, explained to us that the Fed can basically say, I'd like to buy this bond. The bank will say, OK. And then in the bank's account with the Fed, the Fed just changes the numbers in there. And voila, money is created. Basically, you press a button and in their account it says we have this much more money and they figure you're good for it. Yes. Does that seem weird to you at all after all these years? Uh, yes, it is still a magical process. This seems sort of crazy that you can create money, use it to help the economy with no consequences. We, David, you and I left the central bank just talking about this question. Like, is that really possible? Can an institution just hurl one and a quarter trillion dollars into the economy and there's no consequences? So let's try and think this through for a minute. Vincent Reinhardt, the former Fed guy, says there are some dangers. And one is just that people will lose some trust in the Fed. He says, think about all that magic that happens when the Fed creates money, right? It changes some numbers in a bank's account, and boom, there's money there, and that money can be used. That is what money is. That is all money is, something that the Fed says is there. Because you trust the Fed, and because you know everybody else trusts the Fed, uh, it, it, is, it is valued in markets because other people value it. So really, that's that's the biggest the thing trick. that the Fed has going for it. It's not right. the gold in the basement. It's not the marble floors. The most important thing to them is just that everyone trusts them. The magic of central banking is it works on trust. If the Federal Reserve were to abuse it, the trust, then people will stop trusting it. People trust that the Fed won't get drunk on the power it has to create money and won't just start doing random things because you can do all sorts of things to juice the economy. You can, once you start helping homeowners, why not help farmers and car companies? And you don't want the institution that creates money to be running around like a teenager with a credit card. You want them to be boring, tight-lipped, wearing suits. Which, for the most part... They are. They don't crack jokes. And when they decide to spend one and a quarter trillion dollars, 
They come within 61 cents. (laughs) Never has a group of people been more dedicated to appearing trustworthy. But there is a second, more immediate concern about what the Fed is doing. That concern is inflation. Because of the mortgage program, there's basically one and a quarter trillion dollars out in the economy that didn't used to be there. So David has, how much money do you have in your wallet right now? Hang on, I'll check. It's all about the Benjamins. (laughs) I have 20, 40... $63. So David has $63 in his wallet right now. The Federal Reserve creates one and a quarter trillion dollars. What happens to that money in his wallet? Over time, if the Federal Reserve left that money in, in the banking system, then ultimately the prices of goods and services go up and that $63 doesn't purchase as much as it used to. If we were close to full employment, if the Fed provides more money into the banking system, people will be spending that money on goods and services. If we're already producing pretty much close to our full capacity, then we don't get any more output. We just get higher prices. So now David's $63 are worth less. Right. So if the Federal Reserve, if, if we were at full employment and the Federal Reserve were to expand its balance sheet a lot, then that 63 dollars wouldn't go as as far as it used to. Or, or couldn't we imagine a more extreme version where there was only $3 in the world and you and I and each of us only has has each and each of us has a dollar mm-hmm. and that's the entire supply of money in the world and then the Fed decides to create another $3. Right. We use now we only own half the money in the world, right? right. So it, it's not going to go as far. Exactly. Now there is a reason that Reinhardt said if we are at full employment cuz right now the economy is not running smoothly. There aren't a lot of people spending money. Banks are sitting on that extra money that they have. But once the economy starts to recover and all that money sitting in vaults and mattresses starts to move, then prices could go up and then you might worry about inflation. So at that point, when the vault and the mattress money comes out, the Fed may have to undo what it's done. It may have to get that one and a quarter trillion dollars that it's created out of the economy to suck it out. And one way it might do that is basically doing the reverse of what they've done. Instead of buying mortgage bonds, the Fed would sell them back into the economy. So the Fed would get paid for those bonds and dollars, and those are dollars that are then no longer out in the economy. Poof. It's magic in reverse. Uh, The concern, though, is that it's much easier and more fun to create money than it is to take it back and make it disappear. The Fed is not worried about this at this point, and it's not talking about sucking that money back out of the economy anytime soon. The chairman, Ben Bernanke, actually gave a speech last week, and if anything, the Fed is thinking about buying more bonds, putting more money out there into the economy. For more on the nation's biggest landlord, you can go to our blog, npr.org slash money. And as always, you can send us your thoughts and concerns and feedback to planetmoney at npr.org. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thank you for listening.